Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey guys, welcome to the Running Light podcast. I'm Bo. I'm Peter. And we're with Running Light Ministries, and this is the Better Pleasure podcast. On this podcast, we are going to take some questions. And we just got done an awesome time over at the Gospel Rescue Mission with the guys. And it was so cool. We ended up having this hardcore philosophical time. (laughs) It was interesting. We always sometimes go in that direction. (laughs) Yeah, so, and it was good. I think their minds were a little blown away, um, which was awesome. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) So um, we're going to take some questions, and we've taken some of these before. and we're going to try not to repeat, but uh, someone uh, asked a question that I think it always keeps coming up, and it has to do with practical tips for keeping the flame burning years on in. Marriage? Yeah. Uh, they're talking sexual or romantic? I think they're talking, you know, sex, both. Both? Uh, yeah. I mean, what do, you, what do you think the difference is between both of those biblically? Um, well, biblically, there really shouldn't be much of a difference. Uh, there shouldn't be much of a distinction in that the uh, the sexual bed should be an outflow, or it should be a um, it should be a culmination of what's already happening within the marriage as a whole. And so, the uh, the biblical idea is that the coming together of one flesh in the relationship of marriage um, happens in the emotional and physical realms simultaneously. So there's like when, when a man enters into a woman, that should be what's happening in the rest of the marriage. So I guess in a, in a way, biblically, they should be, uh, unified, right? It would be odd, um, unless there was some sort of a medical or physical reason why, um, sex is dying off, but it would be odd if the romantic and the emotional side of a marriage is flourishing and the physical intimacy of the marriage is diminishing, like I said, unless there's some sort of a medical reason that that's mm. happening. Mm. So they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Right. right. Or a lot. A lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. You know, you think of the passage to in where, who was it? Uh, let's see, Abraham, Isaac, uh, was it Isaac? And his, when he met his wife, mm. how he thought she was beautiful. Yeah, um, I can't. Yeah. I re- can't recall the whole event, but Isaac in the cornfield, and yeah. then Rebecca's brought to him. Yeah, I just remember yeah. something about her being beautiful. Yeah, it's like mentioned there. Yeah, you know, well, I always thought this was cool. Her name, Rebecca, which is funny because that's my sister's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca actually means ensnarer, which I thought was really Whoa. funny. So it's kind of like a name that you'd give, like for you fathers out there, you might understand this, where you know you see your daughter and you just realize, like from the second she's born, she's got you like wrapped around her finger, where you're just like, man, this this is just an amazingly awesome, like beautiful woman. I mean, she's going to be an amazingly beautiful woman, and. Any dude that <laughs> ends up with her, he's just going to be like, you know, wrapped around her finger. She's just so cool, you know. And so yeah. that was so her dad saw that in her, which I think is awesome. And then and then Jacob, when he sees her, he's just like, whoa, like she's amazing. Like an instantly, like he instantly like hugs her and's like, we, we're we're together, you know. Like he's yeah, so didn't, didn't he take her into his mom's tent? I think so. Yeah. It was something like that. That was like a cultural thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever I read that in the Bible, I'm like, there's got to be a cultural thing here, but because I'm not really grabbing that. I never, like, when I got married, I was like, hey, let's go to my old house and, 
and let's go into my parents' bed, you know, yeah. <laughs> like let's consummate this thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be a weird, uh, you know, some sort of a cultural thing. Maybe it was the that. place of safety. Maybe. maybe it was the place of respect too. Or maybe like the dad got like the big bed, you know. <laughs> so yeah. like the so like when you're the son, you get like a tiny bed for yourself, and then it's like, oh, you're married, son. You get you get the big bed. I, I wonder I don't if know. it was proof of uh, virginity too, purity. Maybe. Maybe. You know, for her, you know, kind of yeah. a thing of like you're in the father's, you know, home. Yeah. You know, when you have intimacy there, you could prove if someone's, you know, a virgin or something like that. Yeah. Um, I know they've had ceremonies. The Jewish people have had ceremonies over the years. Right. On that. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. So, uh, go on. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say to to the get into the actual question uh which is a really good one is really interesting one i i think that there's the easier way to answer it would be to start with talking about what commonly you know like in, in me and you can just talk about this like in our time of counseling what commonly do we see in marriages that leads to a decay of passion because usually like passion is is kind of like a given <laughs> in a relationship it would be very odd to me if i was married unless it was a shotgun wedding but it'd be very odd to me if i was marrying a couple and they're like yep the flames already died you know <laughs> like we don't we don't want to have sex we don't want to be together like this sucks i'd be like well you probably shouldn't get married you know predominantly passion's a given and it fades so I, I think it would be maybe a cooler thing to talk about why it fades and how to maybe prevent that from happening yeah i think there's there's some things first of all that can happen really practically in a marriage yeah and, and that is that is one of them's uh, about economics mm. you know and there's no doubt that money is a big contributing factor to stress in a marriage mm. and i'm sure it has an effect on people's sex lives as well because when you're stressed out over money you know m a, m a lot of people don't react well sexually right Right. So I think that that could be like a, a big one. I see that in my counseling as well. So we could say, you know, just a big category, stress, anxiety, and it could be about tons of stuff. Like I've seen it be about kids, you know, so it's like good, it's like, you know, the parents trying to be good parents for their kids, but their stress or their anxiety over their kids starts creeping into their relationship, uh, stress over job, stress over marriage, stress over health. You know, sometimes there's health problems that start happening early in the marriage. There's a lot of stress over that. Um, could be stress over parents even, you know, like uh, other family members. Could be, you know, stuff goes on, either like drama happening in the family or maybe, you know, your 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 parents aren't doing well medically or something like that. And that stress, like taking that all upon yourself, uh, usually leads to just a, a loss of passion. Because when you think about it, like, one of the co one of the things that needs to to be there for passion to exist is there needs to almost be like a carefree thing, you know. Uh, usually people aren't like you know super stressed out and then like man like I I love my wife, you know. It usually doesn't go hand in hand, you know. Stress the the word I, I love it in the Bible. The word anxiety in the Bible literally means to come apart. Mm. Um, and passion requires focus, you know. That's why I love in the the book the Song of Solomon, he constantly tells her that she has dove's eyes. And what that references is doves, uh, you could see it in their, their eyes, they, they have like, they don't have good peripheral, you know, <laughs> they don't really have good peripheral vision. When they, they're focused on something, it's like a laser focus, you know, they're like intently looking at one thing. Um, so when he says you have doves eyes for me, what he means is that like, man, you're just intently focused on me. 
uh, or our marriage. So passion kind of needs that kind of focus, that that dedication. And when your mind is pulled in all these different directions, it's hard for passion to exist. So one of the things that we can do, you can't get rid of stressors in the marriage. That's an impossible thing, right? That's always going to exist. There's always going to be stuff with the kids. There's always going to be stuff with the finances. But what you can do is you can um, work on stress together. So what are some of the things that you tell couples when anxiety is... (laughs) Downsize. Yeah, you know, and the reason I say downsize is I find I find too many people live or and buy way too big mm. instead of just simplifying life. Mm. Um, there was there was an app on the Roku that I saw the other day, and I I downloaded it on the Roku because I th- I thought the title was so cool, and I was uh, thinking it's going to be cool, and it was actually cool, but it was like it was like less is more, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a home show of of people that have just made decisions of like, hey, less is more. Yeah. And we don't need all this other stuff. And when you think of buying a home, you know, people always are buying homes and it blows my mind, you know, 2,500 square feet, 300, or yeah, 3,000, yeah. You know, 4,000 square feet, 5,000 square feet. For a family of three. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even a family of four, I'm like, I'm like, what? You know, and they're like, well, everybody's got to have this and everybody's got to have that. And everybody's got to we And I want this and I want that. And, and and that's what creates the problem. Right. Is greed. Right. And that's what's creating a lack of intimacy. It's fun. It, it's so weird. But when I was younger and and, you know, man, sex was awesome with, you know, I mean, but you have no cares in the world. You right. know what I mean? Right. You're just like simple yeah it's simple and it's like uh, it's spontaneous and it's like you know that's what i mean there's that excitement all there right that's a part of it um so never mind if it's right or wrong that's not what i'm talking about i'm just talking about passion right you know the simplicity of i didn't own everything right and so the more you own stuff you know that that owning of things can be one of the problems. It's one thing if you can pay for everything really well. Right. And you you have no worry. Right. You know, you're like, hey, man, I got a couple million in the bank. I can buy a giant home. I can buy giant cars. I can, you know, you know, go on trips and it's not going to impact our life at all. Um, you know, and it's interesting, but when you think of, like, like resorts and you know people in you know that are flying to beautiful romantic places you know Mm. when you see the romantic places right you're assuming that these people have enough money right so that it is a romantic getaway right 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 that it's not like they're going. It's not like they just maxed out their credit card. It's not like National <laughs> Lampoon's <Yeah. laughs> European vacation yeah. you know, with the, with the Chevy Chase. Yeah. You know, he's stressed to the bone, yeah. right? He's like, "We're going on the trip, and yeah. I hope my bonus comes in." Yeah. You know? and, and and there's it's so hard to to in a sense develop passion in that situation because the poor guy. You know, everything's riding on that bonus coming in or else right. it's, it's not going to be happening. So Right. And, and you know, it's it's crazy, too, some of the stuff you, you bring up um, that I'll add on to. The, the, the first thing is that what you're saying about downsizing is actually an incredibly biblical one. Not that it's wrong. Not that there's anything wrong with 
you know, having nice things or, or buying anything like that. But in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who was a pretty wise dude, who had the nicest things, no matter how big your house is, I guarantee it wasn't as big as his house. You know, I think it says that his household, just his house staff, went through like <laughs> yeah a lot of 600 lot of cows <laughs> a day or so, something ridiculous like you could read about it in kings but he just his staff that's just his staff you know it's just like his posse is eating that much food a day uh minus you know whatever the heck else he's eating and everyone else so it's just crazy so this dude's house is beyond anything it, it would it would make every major hollywood actor's house look like they're in the ghetto you know they're they're south of sixth and they're just terrible so it's just like that's that's how amazing this dude's wealth is. And in Ecclesiastes, I believe it's chapter five, he's talking about it. And he says he actually envies <laughs> the poor guy. He's like, because the poor dude just goes to bed. He's like, yeah. he just he's got his hand full. He goes home. He works in his field. He goes to his house. That's all paid for. And he just passes out and he's good. And he's like, but the wealthy man cannot rest for the exceeding number of his wealth which is nuts because we're like wouldn't wealth give you more peace and solomon says no because if you just had money yeah it would give you some amount of peace uh, depending on how you look at it but if what you're doing is you're taking your money and you're trying to live as the wealthy then there's so many stressors that come upon you. The first one is like, like Bo said, you, you're having to take out loans to buy your extravagant lifestyle because you don't just have that money on hand. So you have all these bills and what it, what it does is it locks you into things where you're like, you know, if my bonus doesn't come in, if this doesn't happen, I can't pay for this and I can't do this and I can't do that. And you're, you're always over leveraging yourself to try to keep up with your rich neighbors, to try to keep up with the people who are also in that same wealth bracket as you. Um, it also causes you to be envious of what other people have. Uh, because like if you're in a mode where you're just kind of like, you know, you're living in that one bedroom apartment, you know, like you're, you're just married to your, your spouse, you're living in that one bedroom apartment, you're working at Subway, you're pulling down, you know, $4 an hour, you know, she's pulling down $4 an hour, you're sharing like a 1985 Honda Civic and you're driving each other to work, you know, it's just like, I've been there, you know, and yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's a cool time in marriage. You know, me and my wife are there too. You know, you're just kind of like, you're, you're living very minimally. You don't really have a whole lot. And it's nice to, to just be like, Hey, we don't got a lot, but we got each other. You know, there's like a simplicity there. But then when you start adding more and more stuff, then it's, it becomes more about like, I need to buy this and I need to get this and I need to have that. And you're on Facebook and you see what other people are doing. You're like, man, they just went on vacation to Rome. Where are we going on a vacation, honey? You know, I'm like, oh, they just got two new cars. Like, why do we only have one car? And yeah. oh man, like their kids going to Harvard. Like, and, why can't we do that? And, you and, know? and when you think of that kind of media and, and it producing or birthing that kind of comparative way of thinking too, it, that's how like romantic thoughts are actually um, weighed in our mind too. Hmm. So a lot of times romantic thoughts are weighed in a comparison way. Right. So like, uh, for instance, I might go, well, hey, that person went to Hawaii. That looks so romantic. That hmm. looks so awesome. And then, then you know, I, I have that thought birthed in my mind now of like that's that's what romance. That's the romance, yeah. you know, is being there and doing that, and and so romance can't be something um, that's in my world, so to speak, in my financial world, because maybe I can't do that. 
Um, so I might not be able to be romantic mm. um, or experience that kind of pleasure. Right. You know, um, and, and so I, I think you're on to something right there with the way we compare and the way that, that relates to what we think as a romantic um, thing. Because, you know, biblically speaking, and, you know, that, that culture is so far removed from us. Mm. And so when we see things like the patriarchs and how they meet their wives and what they would consider maybe a romantic thing or a gesture of romance or something like like that we would think like oh it's kind of weird yeah you know it's just like when we watch an older movie yeah and you see something romantic you know for us it's kind of funny <laughs> you know and and you know we're so used to we have such an abundance and we're so used to an abundance where for us going out to eat seems so normal right and but yet back in the day that was like considered too a romantic thing to right to take your your wife somewhere yeah. you know but now it's like you got to take her someplace nice. Right. Like really nice. Right. And and s- people get stressed out. Yeah. And they can't afford it, so they And it's very push. you know uh, you know a lot of the couples that I talk to and and I think a lot of women need to be aware of this is that it could be very demasculating to your husband if he senses that you're always comparing his um romantic abilities to other men around him. It could be very demasculating to him where he's like gosh, why can't I provide a life like that for my wife? You know, like, why am I not making enough money? You know, man, my wife would really like it if I took her to this place, but I can't afford it, you know? And, and it makes him feel just like, like junk. Like it makes him feel like crap all the time. And it, it demasculates him. It makes him feel less than a man. It really does. So, um, you know, to be careful, you know, wives that you don't, that you don't bring down your husband would talk like that. Uh, to make them feel like, gosh, my wife doesn't appreciate me and what I'm doing, you know. Yeah, and vice versa. That's and where vice versa, that's yeah. where things like pornography can come in and really wreck things because if if a man's going like, man, dude, I just really, you know, I really am am fascinated by those women in in pornography, hmm. and and they say to their wife, you know, gosh, I'm just not fascinated by you, hmm. um, you know, I'm fascinated by women, these women in pornography. Hmm. That can also be a real heavy blow right that would definitely make because then that flips on the wife where she's like ah, i'm not enough for my husband why can't i be as pretty as these women why can't i have yeah. you know my breast be that size or my body look like that or you know and it could really it could really mess with her head a little bit or just like yeah, man, or he a lot. wishes I was, or a lot yeah it's just like demasculating a guy you yeah. know and saying to a guy hey you know you're not able to you know, be romantic. You're not able to pay for this thing or pay for that. Mm. You know, if that kind of actions taken place, probably your husband's not going to want to have too much sex with you or it's, it'll be a struggle. Yeah. It's not exactly a turn on, you know, when you feel like your wife's not satisfied by you Uh, and same with the wife, it's not really a turn on to feel like my husband's not satisfied with me. He wishes I was different. Um, That's not really anything. So like one big thing that I always encourage couples to do because uh, it's something that's been huge in my marriage of a learning curve for me and for my wife to just learn how to be complimentary you know <laughs> like right. in it and it sounds so simple but just like you know just always making it a point to just complimenting your spouse just being like hey you know like dude d- like coming like when I come home from work just being like hey honey you know I, I really appreciate how you like you know you clean up at the house or you know or sh- whenever I take her out to eat anything she's always like man thank you so much for dinner 
you know, and, and at first I was like, gosh, you know, like it's, it's our money. Like, I, you know, you, you shouldn't really thank me, you know, like you work too, like it's not a big deal. But over time, like I just saw like what an incredible thing that was for her to do for me, where she's just letting me know like, hey, I, I appreciate you. You know, you took me out. You, you had this idea to go out. Like I really, I'm thankful, you know, and it, 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 it never made, it, like I've never really felt for my wife that she's like, I've never really felt from Emma that I should be something else or do something else or that I'm not doing enough. Like, you know, she's just very gentle. Even if she wants me to do something different, she always does it in the confines of um, complimenting, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's so cool, right, that affirmation. You mm. know, Hebrews chapter 3.13, let us encourage one another daily yeah. as it's called today. So that what? We don't get hard hearts, mm. and that's obviously an easy route for us to go in life, no doubt. Right. You know, where you get hard heart, and so just encouraging one another, and and that encouragement can go a long way. To me, sexually, too, like, you know, you have to learn how to have sex, mm. and you have to learn how to enjoy each other, um, and I think I think that's kind of a, a, a really important thing that has to happen too. Like, mm. you know, stress obviously plays an effect and, and there's sometimes I'm, I'm stressed, you know, in life and that might affect my ability to quote, have good carefree sex. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the joy of pleasing my spouse mm is gone right there should be the ability for me too to go you know what man i want to please my wife mm. um and 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 so you have to put into practice sexually um th another passage of scripture that jesus we're not told that he actually or we're not s told <laughs> that he directly said this I right mean, from him right right but but we are told that he did he said it, said yeah. it somewhere. <laughs> you know, in the yeah. book of Acts, it says that he said it's better to give than to receive. Mm. So, so how do you spark, uh, you know, keep things going too? Is to mm. learn how to give. Right, and this is this is by the way one of the most key things. Uh, you know, uh, as a as, as someone who does counseling and stuff, sometimes I like to listen to counselors who aren't Christians answer questions like this of like how would they answer it and it's really interesting because all of them see this but they just don't know how to define it you know so they'll explain it but they don't really know how to define it but if you listen to counselors uh you know famous counselors online or read their books or whatever about how to you know you could find all sorts of talks like this how to keep the flame lit how to <laughs> how to keep things going how to how to make it past 50 you know like whatever there's you know a, like there's, there's a ted talk on it yeah there's like ted talks out there's all sorts of talks about this subject and if you listen to them you'll notice there's a common thread throughout it and what they realize is the reason why passion fades from marriage like why is it so passionate during dating and why is why does it seem to fade with marriage the reason is, is, is it's essentially this, it's selfishness, right? What tends to drive passion for the selfish heart is freshness and freedom, right? So if I feel like things are happening that are fresh, meaning they're new all the time, passion can grow if I'm being selfish. And freedom, meaning I have the li I don't, I'm not trapped here. I could go somewhere else anytime I want, right? So if I'm dating someone 
it's easy to have that kind of um, that passion because it's like we're trying new things. It, we're just getting to know one another and I'm free to leave. Right. You know, like we're not married. I'm free to go. I'm free to be with another person if I want to be. But when you're married, the novelty, meaning that the freshness of the marriage starts demi d diminishing. And the reason why is because when you've been married for a long enough period of time, you know the person pretty well. You, you're in routines. You're you're not doing a whole lot of new stuff. Like not a lot of new things are happening. Um, and you're you're with that person. You're committed to them. You no longer have that freedom and the liberty. And what they all get to it is like, okay, if this is true, then is it marriage that's a problem or is it us? And all of them come on to the conclusion that there's something wrong with us, that there's something innately selfish in us, that the marriages that make it, whether they're Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, whatever, the marriages that make it, are the marriages that realize the principle that Bo just said, that it is truly and genuinely, you don't need to know God for this to be true. It is genuinely better to give than to receive. If you are in a marriage for what you can get, there's only a finite thing amount of things that your spouse can do for you, and then you're going to get tired of them. But if you're in the marriage and you're thinking, like, how can I serve? How can I do it? You're never going to run out of um, freshness in the marriage because the freshness of the marriage is now determined upon you. Yeah, if... And put it another way, and this will kind of help, I think, people think uh, think more philosophically on monogamy and, and, its, um, its, and its counterparts. But um, if, if it is about self-pleasure and you say, okay, monogamy is the problem, and then you go into, say, some other form of, of sexual relationships, you know, whether it's polygyny, polyamory, um, polyandry, um, swinging, um, swapping, uh, marital swapping, those type of things. If you say, hey, that's going to spark it all, get it all going, I'll s you, you have to understand that even within whatever framework of relationship that you're in, you're still riding on the foundation that it is the way you get spark going is through your own seeking of pleasure hmm. for your own that if that's the foundation then what makes you think that swinging or um, polygyny or whatever form you got is going to satisfy as well right if if it makes sense that if monogamy doesn't satisfy if you can't find satisfaction in monogamy then what makes you think you're going to find satisfaction in swinging and what makes you think you're going to find satisfaction in polygyny, right? One man, many women, mm. or or the opposite. You know, what makes you think that it's just going to end there? Mm. See, it's just going to go, if that's the way you're thinking, it's just going to go in all, <laughs> all of its ways. Yeah. You know, you'll be okay for a time, just mm. like in a monogamy, you'll be okay for a time, but then you'll want to go the other way. Mm. And just like in polygyny, you'll be, you know, Solomon will be okay for a time and, 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 Polyg polygamy and polygyny more one man all women and then he'll go and it'll it'll be boring as well mm. so there's got to be another more important foundation right and here's the cool thing about for us as christians so like i said anyone could do this but the resource that a christian has is superior it's the best and the resource that we have is god and what i mean by that is for the christian we look at the marriage 
and this is really key, we do not look to the sexual relationship as the thing that's going to complete our happiness, right? So I'm not looking at my wife saying, she's the thing, she's the person that's going to complete my happiness and pleasure on this earth, right? And you can always tell, by the way, if this is your perspective, and if you're an honest Christian, you'll say you slip in and out of this perspective, right? And you can always tell when you're in the perspective of selfishness, and it's this way. When things start to slow down in your marriage, when passion starts to die, what's your emotional reaction? Is it blame, right? If it's immediately like, my spouse isn't doing enough, right? She's not doing enough. She's not good looking enough. She's not supportive enough. She's not blah, 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 blah. What that shows you is it shows you that number one, you're looking to your spouse to complete your happiness. And number two, you don't believe that it's truly better to give than to receive. The Christian resource is that we understand that our happiness and pleasure are completed in Christ. And what that enables us to do, because some people might be thinking like, okay, well, what if my spouse is a total dud? Is it their fault then? And my answer to you would be, even then, no. <laughs> because the resource of the Christian is so strong that when you read passages like Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, they are talking about serving and ministering to and loving and caring for people that are not loving them back, right? So 1 Peter 3 especially is written to husbands and wives that have spouses that have ceased to be investing in the marriage. And Peter seems to think that that person, even the person that's married to someone who's not investing in the marriage, can still have happiness, uh, can still have pleasure and contentment in God. Obviously, the best marriages are, are marriages where both people are investing, but the Christian's resource is so strong that even if your spouse isn't, that's all I'm getting at, even if your spouse isn't, you still can have supreme pleasure because yours comes from God. Yeah, and that's, that's vital, isn't it? You know, that's, that's absolutely vital. So hopefully you're, you kind of understand that when, when the person asks the question um, about, you know, re-sparking the flame or keeping that flame going, you know, what we're talking about right now is that it's really important that you make something else the foundation other than you just seeking pleasure um, yourself. Can you, you know, is, it, you know, can we find pleasure in giving? Because if you can find pleasure in giving to your spouse, then then it begs another question. You know, well, why would you stop giving? Mm. You know, if there's pleasure that's that's found in the act of giving sexually and just giving in general, and you know, you move that into the bed, then why why can't I find joy in just giving? And, you know, maybe some maybe we've been duped a lot in the culture to think that sex is all about the orgasm. It's all about that thing. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. And I think Dinesh D'Souza was right in his book where he says the orgasm has become the the sacrament of the nation, mm. you know, and that's so true. Um, it's ev that's how we think is everything is about um, orgasm. So in a marriage, if that's really the case, you know people always go man you know you know you know they're thinking gosh you know how can i get off how can i get off how can i get off and if that's how the thought process is going mm. um in our sexual attitudes then it makes yeah it, it, it it's a dead end but it's a dead end just so you know it's a dead end in monogamy it's a dead end in polygyny it's a dead end in poly polyamory um, it's a dead end in swinging. It's a dead end in in wife swapping. It's a dead end mm. in 
in in in your in your life right. because you'll never ever you'll always be in the pursuit man right and, and that's that's what Solomon gets at in Ecclesiastes you know and I like to quote this a lot but it's like you have Solomon in the song of Solomon and he seems to be happy with one woman but does that last forever no he starts multiplying wives until he gets to the point where he's got 300 and then he's got 700 sex slaves on top of that which is kind of crazy and in Ecclesiastes, at the end of his life, so he's got a thousand women all together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, he's talking about these women, and he says, One man out of a thousand I have found to be my companion, but one woman out of a thousand I have not found. Meaning that of all thousand of his wives, he's saying, I don't, I'm not friends with any of them. <laughs> Which is kind of like a really sad thing to yeah. say. He's like, dude, I'm not really like on the level with any of these women. And uh, you know, I tell this to people, if you can't make it work with a thousand people, Maybe you should assume the problem's you, you mm -hmm. know? But Solomon, he never really got that. And it's so important that we have to understand that of like, if you think that any person is going to be the thing that's going to satisfy you or complete you, whether it's one person or many people, if yeah. you think that it's going to complete you, you're wrong. Yeah, and it's and it's like, you know, we are, we love the young generation, man. I mean, I'm 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 47 now, <laughs> dude. I'm like ancient. <laughs> but uh, but I still love the younger generation and and um, you know, Ryan just joined us too and that dude loves oh, awesome, the younger man. generation. And, you know, such passion for the young people and um, you know, and getting young people to understand that to, you know, not believe the hype of the culture and not believe the hype of just dude, it's about you. That that sex can be awesome. But it, there, it's awesome on a different in a different paradigm, mm. you, you know. And and you know, the young culture has just this singular paradigm that they work with, you know. That's so built. Of course, we've talked about all the you know things that are in the world that kind of influence us when mm. we're growing up. But it is a it is a very animalistic base, which the Bible that makes sense biblically, right? We're all very animalistic and base in nature, mm. uh, uh, not in our first nature made in the image of God, but in our fallen nature. Right, right, right. Um, that's a little Blaise Pascal for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, yeah, and it's like, tr how can we get younger generation people? You know, and me and Peter were talking about this. Is like you look at Japan, where pornography is just all over the place. It's just <laughs> everywhere, man, yeah. and, and it's the most nastiest stuff ever, yeah. right? It's like you, you, you know, you just go, man, it's harsh, yeah. it's degrading, it it speaks loudly of misogyny on a level that is just out of this world. Literally out of this world. Yeah, <laughs> literally <laughs> like the, out of this world. The things happening in their in their pornography is it's is gross. It's inhuman. It literally yeah. is inhuman. Yeah, and and that culture, you read those articles that are so interesting where the young generation doesn't want to engage in intimacy. Right. And it, and it's almost like they've looked at the paradigm and they just gotten so disgusted with themselves. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and there and it's like, how do you get that younger generation out of that paradigm? Is it through just an abundance? Is is it like feeding the child, you know, the chocolate cake yeah. for an hour straight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just going, okay, man, you want it? 
<laughs> boom, dude, you're going to eat this thing until you puke. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then after puking, you go, come on, eat some more. And they go, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> this is nasty, man. I need I need something different. <laughs> the detox, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, that's what the world does, though, man. It just, like, feeds you and feeds you and feeds you. And anybody who's watched porn for any length of time knows that that's what it does. Yeah. A lot of times is it just, like, you know, you just get tired of it. You're just <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And it's not that it's not alluring. It's not yeah. that it's not arousing. It's not that those things aren't still there. Um, but there's a, a mental exhaustion. Like a fatigue, yeah, yeah, that you hit. Yeah, it hit with it all. And, uh, you know, it's God's great judgment, no doubt, on us is to let us go the routes that we go. Mm. But, you know, our hearts are for younger people. And, you know, how do we get people to understand you know that that to spark to make really good sex you know the sparking of of marriages to make your marriage keep going and running on all cylinders and enjoying each other mm. that there is that different paradigm of giving than yeah. receive that's right and, and i think a lot of people in my generation today you'll hear it um you know you'll hear it where, where someone will say i just want god to bless my marriage and what they're getting at, and it's it's kind of like a misunderstanding of that verse where Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and the rest of these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. The way that people read that is like, oh, okay, I put God first and then I get everything I want. It was like, no, 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 if you put God first, your wants change. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's what he's getting at. Your wants change and God provides for your needs. That's what he means. In the same way with marriage, I think people think that it's like, I wait till marriage to have sex. Um, I, you know, only side hug until we get married. I am sure to marry at a church. I'm sure to have a pastor over the marriage. I'm sure to do Bible studies with my spouse every night. I'm sure to pray with my spouse every night. Hey, all those things are great. They'd be awesome. But they do not guarantee you that you're going to have the super pleasurable marriage. So they then get into marriage and then, and this is true. This is just something that's the fact about pleasure. And it's the difference of of real, genuine pleasure, especially when you're communicating with another, experiencing pleasure in a relationship as opposed to selfishness. Pleasure waxes and wanes. It's like the moon. Man, there are times where it's like vibrant and bright, and there's times where it's distant and it doesn't really feel very good. And marriage is like that, where there are seasons in marriage. There are times where... Yeah, you definitely can't over emphasize right yeah you are over stress out over a period of a lack of intense intimacy right right where you're just like oh my gosh is there something wrong are we doing no no no. that's how intimacy is and i love what c.s lewis said uh when he was talking about physical intimacy and mere christianity he's like if if the passion that exists when you first start having sex with someone existed for the whole relationship nothing would get done on earth and i love <laughs> well, it's not it's not just that too it's that, it's that it's that you know you wouldn't know you know you got to realize that you wouldn't know how good you know chocolate chip ice cream is for me i love chocolate chip ice cream right. but you wouldn't know how good 31 flavors chocolate chip ice cream is if you didn't have really bad chocolate chip ice cream <laughs> at some point <laughs> you know and, and and that's what makes going to certain places amazing because right. we go whoa this is different and and yeah. and so there is the ebbs and flows man it's like when you're right. surfing dude there's some sometimes you know the waves are just it seems like the surf is just amazing and it just keeps rolling man and and you're just like wow this is an epic day mm. you know of surf and then there's other days where you know you're 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 on these little tiny waves and they're coming every 15 20 minutes and you're just sitting out there kind of <laughs> hanging out you know but but you still are kind of like man i still love it and yeah. you, you find a, an amazing joy 
even in just the little waves that are coming yeah. in and you're like, man, I'm going to try something new on this and, you know, I'm going to mess around or, you know, you're just, and then, you know, what makes, what makes it so beautiful is just the surroundings. Right. Is just. You start it, to enjoy other things. You start to enjoy the other parts, the other right. things, you know. Where it's like, you know, when, when in those seasons of my marriage where the passion and the intimacy isn't as vibrant or powerful as other times, you start to enjoy other things. You start to enjoy like, man, like my wife is really cool. Like I like just hanging out with her, you yeah. know. I like just going on walks with her. I like just like doing puzzles with her, watching TV with her, you know. Like you, yeah. you start to just enjoy those little things and it starts to give you appreciation yeah. for those little things that are beautiful. So well, think of it in a marriage too. Like in a, in a marriage, a lot of people, you know, it's like funny. Okay, you start, you make out, right? You learn how to make out, right, yeah. with someone and then you're making out with them and it's all awesome. And then, and then you get married and, and you're gr rolling in your marriage and then over years in marriage, you kind of learn like, oh man, the sex thing's just awesome, you know? You're just so stoked and, and you, don't, you don't go into making out at all. You just go right into, you know, sex. No foreplay. Yeah, no, you just go right right into it and 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 not that that's bad because that can be really fun and exciting just the kind of idea of like yo great you know <laughs> that kind of thing and, and 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 you guys both have a mutual right. enjoyment of that right you know but when you when you fail to just look around and remember the beauty of your partner's lips or her eyes mm. you know or just the skin you know, and the beauty of the creation, mm. you know, take it back to the surfing analogy, right? Just the beauty of the rocks, the beauty of the, the water and how it feels on your skin, um, you know, those type of things. Mm. And, you know, you know, then we're missing something. Right. And so many young people today, they think that when you go into those seasons where passion is ebbing or something like that, they're like, something's wrong. Right. I've done something wrong. I'm doing something wrong in my relationship with God. I'm doing something wrong. Which stresses you out. Which stresses you out. And then you're like trying to think about making a change. And, and, and it just, it turns into weirdness, not understanding that like, hey, maybe the, maybe the times in the wilderness are just as much a part of the relationship as the times in the oasis, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, learning how to do it. And I, I love like Jeremiah too. Mm. And Jeremiah too, the very beginning, God is talking about how his people are like distant from him. And he says, hey, you remember when we were just in the wilderness? Yeah. I love that. He's like, D I remember the time of your youth when we were just hanging out in the wilderness. And we had nothing, but we had each other and it was awesome, you know? And, and he has that really cool conversation with them about how it's like, now that things are great, you guys are ignoring me. You know, now that things are great, you guys have forgotten me. And, and that could happen in marriage where it's like, again, if you're not ready for those times, uh, those seasons where things are more dry, um, if you're not ready to just keep investing and keep uh, looking for those little things like Bo said, then you're going to really, you're going to miss out yeah. on the depth of your marriage. You're going to miss out on what God's doing in those times. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to definitely probably get overly stressed and, and kind of ruin the marriage a little bit. Yeah. So practically, if you can keep things simple in your marriage, you know, financially, that's a good thing for people. That's where we kind of started the podcast, you know, is, you know, stressors, you know, but keeping things simple. You know, if you need to downsize, downsize, yeah. um, you know, you know, it's OK that you don't go out to eat all the time. Right. You know, learn how to enjoy just going places and walking around mm. and just enjoying each other. Yeah. You know, just like it was, you know, when you when you were dating and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's another big thing as well, is that like one of the reasons why passion fades in a marriage is because the things that you did in the beginning, you stopped doing them. 
So kind of like what Bo said of just like, you know, y you enjoy making out with your girlfriend and then when you get married, you're not really kissing anymore. Um, so you, you were doing something at the beginning and you've just left it out. See, what you were supposed to do is add on. Be like, now we have this new thing and we're doing this, you know? So that's what you're supposed to right. do. But new and new and new and new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, you know, I talk to guys sometimes and I'm like, hey, when's the last time you went on a date with your wife? Ah, oh, we can't afford it. We can't do this. I was like, what about just like going to a park and walking around or going to the mall and just like walking around talking or yeah. doing something, sitting on a park bench, going to, you know, the zoo, going, you know? It's funny. I, I, I have I get so much joy out of just watching Sylvia have joy in what she likes to do. Mm. So she's a soccer girl, so she likes to go run around and play soccer. Mm. And even though I'm not in of that mindset, I don't like doing that myself personally. I'd rather sit on the sideline. <laughs> and but I find a lot of joy in just sitting on yeah. the sideline and watching her. And I'll watch her body and I'll look at her and I'll think of, you know, gosh, man, all the years of being together and just mm. the beauty of you know, having a, an opportunity to be with someone and safe in safety right. like we've had, right. you know, and I think of our, you know, of course, the kids and I think of our life with our, our kids that are now, of course, out of the house. But, you know, we think of I think of I think of like just so much totality mm. and I, I see her joy and her smiling out there and then her seriousness and playing soccer and, you know, getting all into it. And it all like affects me. It all makes me you know cool and and you know exciting and, yeah. and all that and it all accumulates into the bed that's right but uh that's right. it's all a part of it and that's and that's another really key thing that kind of goes into it a lot of times when i'm counseling marriages uh there's there's this thing that happens where they they never develop like what you could call a friendship you know where the relationship starts out like with like just raw passion where they're just like having tons <laughs> of intimacy and then they're like all right well we're christians we should get married and then <laughs> they get married and then there's like and then they substitute sex for like real relationship yeah where it's like they never i'm like what do you guys like doing together they're like ah nothing you know like what what are the likes of your spouse they don't even know like what each other likes it's like know? the newlywed game right where right. they're like what is your spouse <laughs> like and they're like she likes this you yeah. know and <laughs> it's like like just totally nope. wrong yep. it's like because they don't even like to do what the other person likes mm. you know so whenever they want to do i'm like what do you guys do together it's like whenever they want to do recreation they go their opposite ways so it's like the dude goes, hangs out with his friends. The girl hangs out with her friends. They do their, but they never like develop a like in what the other person likes. They never develop a like in the person themselves, right? They never become like friends. They never really enjoy one another in their company. It's just all about passion, but passion has to be latched onto something, you know, like sex is cool. But if that's all there is, if sex is literally all there is, that's not deep enough to build a relationship or a foundation. It just isn't. Sex can grow out of a foundation, but sex can't build a foundation. It just can't. So learning how to grow that foundation of just communicating with your spouse. What do you like? What do you like to do? Hey, maybe we could try to do something together. You know, oh, you're going to go do that? Like, maybe I could come with you and just hang out, you know? Yeah. Like, learning to do stuff like that is, is really key. Yeah, a lot of people find that sex is not only not a good foundation to build a relationship, but some people have gone so far as to saying that sex in any kind of meaning relationship is the death blow mm. to the relationship. So what they've done is they've created a life apart from meaningful relationships that are sexual, meaning they might go to prostitutes or um, have, you know, one night stands, you know, the hookups kind of thing over here. And, and they make that very non-meaningful 
you know, purely animalistic sexual experience um, to deal with a sexual urge. And then anything meaningful of relationships, they don't even want to touch sex. Right. You know? Right. And that's how some people have tried to deal with it because you, what you're saying is so true. They know it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really cool when you see the biblical idea that these things are united, you know, that that should be the foundation and it builds up into sex and not just sex. And that's it. Um, or, or seeing it, like Bo said, like compartmentalizing is the word we use, where it's like, you know, emotional relationship over here, physical relationship over here, and never the two shall meet, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's certainly not how it's supposed to be. And, um, you know, it goes into another kind of thing that I was thinking of, of, of why passion seems to fade in some of the couples I counsel. And that is because the sexual, the physical aspect of the relationship never gets going you know and this is kind of a sad thing and I, I see it happen a lot with like christian relationships where there's like this fear of physical intimacy because they've just been told like don't have sex don't have sex don't have sex and so then they don't like to talk about it in their dating relationship and then they go in like now they're married they're going into it blind they they they're just like we haven't talked about it we don't know anything about it and they're just like boom they go into it and they're like that was sex and they were just like they're just so let down and they just they're like okay this is this is lame and then they kind of develop like a sexless marriage over time <laughs> you know yeah we've done pl- plenty of podcasts on that that kind of attitude you, you know and uh, the ability of especially the christian culture to talk about sexuality within the marriage context mm. you know that is a entire seminar on seminar that yeah. you can do but just being able to sit down with couples and say hey you know let's talk about sex let's talk about what you like about sex what don't you like about sex mm. what what do you not like about me what do you like about me you know those things are very difficult for people to talk about and because what we find is that many times sex is one-sided mm. even within the christian culture so it, 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 you know, when you get down to the real honest, we really want to get honest. You know, there's that person that's in the marriage that goes, you know, I really don't like it, but I do it. Right. You know, I put up with it. I put up with it because it's the biblical mandate in First Corinthians chapter seven. seven. Yeah. So that that's the kind of the understanding there, and and that's unfortunate. In, on many levels, and we've podcasted on that, but it's it's so good to always go back to that because that is one of that is a death blow to relationships is when you cannot talk about it. Now, let me just say this: sixty years ago, when you had even a, a more hardcore misogynistic culture, it didn't matter. Hmm. It just didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter if your spouse liked it or not. In fact, it would it'd be weird if your spouse liked it. If it'd be yeah. weird, and if a woman enjoyed sex, at and she showed that she enjoyed sex, there was a problem, right, with her, and that is in this country, and that's the sad fact, Jack. So whenever someone says, "Let's go back to what it was," man, you need to study, and you need to go back. And, you know, the reason why women went through, uh, did the rioting they did in the 60s, the picketing that they did in the, in the 60s, w- they had a reason for that. And there was a reason they were doing that. And um, 
you know, but there are still countries where women are very much mistreated, and there's no say in what, how how they feel about you know sex or anything like. There's there's no husband that's going to sit with them and say, hey, what do you think sexually? Uh, um, you know what what do you like or what do you enjoy? Those are foreign words. Those words would make no sense. They would be like what? Like uh, they wouldn't even they'd be scared to comment on something like that. Um, fear of retribution. Mm. And and unfortunately, in some countries, it's even death. Right. You know, so this country didn't do a great job either. No. <laughs> you know, um, it took a long time before finally, uh, you know, something happened. Yeah. And um, and, w- and that's another whole talk too, but but we do live in a time where because um, we have a lot more freedom in sexual s- expression. We can have talks today, right? And and we should, of all people, Christians should be able to understand the frailties that we each have, right? You know, and that there's going to be times where sex is not going to be primarily on the list of what you're into right now, yeah. And for whatever reason, and and you know, we we you know we should never fall into a a entertainment cultural idea of sex where sex has to be going all the time every time like you talked about right so but yeah communications uh we get to communicate more today than probably ever before yeah so we should use it we should do it (laughs) we We should should talk about it a little bit so yeah so with with christian couples you know i don't care if you've been married 10 15 years if you've never had if your sex life has never been like great if you look at it you're just like yeah it's something we do um Every now and then, you know, like, uh, you know, and I, hey, don't feel bad. I've counseled couples have been married for 10 years, had sex twice in that entire 10 year period, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's not more, uncommon. It's more common than you'd think. So if that's where you're at, don't feel like discouraged, like, oh, we suck. You know, like, no, it's, uh, it's OK. But you can you can now change that and say, like, hey, how can I have open dialogues with my spouse about these things? Because sex, like learning sexuality with your spouse, it's a learning curve. You know, it, it takes a little bit to understand their likes, their dislikes, um, to understand how to maneuver in that in that capacity. It it takes a little bit of time. Like there shouldn't be a discouraging thing, but like, hey, the more you talk about it, the more you express, and the more you experience, the better it it can become. Yeah, and and you know, another suggestion too for the person who asked the question about kind of keeping that spark going is is again bring prayer into your life. You know, be praying. Um, you bring bring God into your sexuality and into your your marriage. You know, get with your spouse and say, "Hey, let's pray over our sex life." You know, let's let's bring it to the Lord. Um, and that's even that we found over the the many years of of doing this. It's it's really foreign. Yeah, it's crazy because people don't associate God with their sexuality. Yeah, which is a bummer. Yeah. So it was a good question, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, practical ways for keeping that flame burning. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.